Jesus came, he came to reveal a loving father and a loving son. And you think about the fruit of the Spirit. He said, I pray that you'll, you'll bear fruit because you can't produce it, but that you'll bear the fruit. And he said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. And against that, there's no law. And he said, but really, if you don't have the love, if you're not rooted and grounded in love, you can't really produce the joy and the peace and the long-suffering, those other things, without working it in the flesh. And none of this is in the flesh. Ezekiel said, when he talked about the glory of God, I think it's in chapter 43, he said, first it'll be up to your ankles, and then it'll be up to your knees, and then it'll be up to your waist. But the goal is to get so far out that you can't touch the bottom anymore, that you don't have any more control, and that you got to go where he flows. And so it's, ta- it's all about getting in the flow. And that's really what this last day's move is, you know. And people are saying, what happened? You know, I had a pastor friend call me the other day, and he said, what happened to the church? He said, there's nobody in my church anymore. I said, well, you know, you need to know that, uh, you know, Goliath came out and taunted the, taunted the church every morning and every evening, and he said, send me out a man because he didn't think that they had one. But God had one hidden over in a pasture somewhere. When the man showed up, he destroyed Goliath. And I'm telling you that we, he still has a man, his, the son of man, Jesus Christ. And when he shows out, the kingdoms of this world become the kings of our God. That's what's happening. And, and so if you're looking in the natural, you might not see much right now, but you need to get your eyes out of the na- You need the eyes of your understanding. Yes to be enlightened so that you can know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power that he wrought upon Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him in his own right hand, the heavenly fire above all principality, power, might and dominion, every name that's named not only in this world, but that which is to come. But you got to get to verse six of chapter two. And he seated us together with him. He raised you up to a place of authority, and you're about to learn how to operate in that thing. But it has to come from a place of humility. He opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so, you know, we need, we need to make sure that we're humble. And hum- humility doesn't come natural. This has got nothing to do with what I'm supposed to be talking about today. It's just, I'm just talking. But I'm thinking of Matthew 11:28. 28. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly. In other words, I'm humbly. I didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister and to serve. And when my attitude becomes like his attitude, I didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister and to serve. To minister and to serve. To care about other people and forget about myself. Crucify with Christ, no longer living. Forbearing with one another and forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave. So we also forgive. Wow. Forbearing and forgiving one another. Forbearing and forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. So if you're sitting here today and you're holding a grudge against somebody, I suggest that you let that go because there is an unforgivable sin. It's in Mark eleven twenty-five. If you don't forgive them, I won't forgive you. Ouch. What's the unforgivable sin, Pastor? Well, that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's anyway, so let's let's go to Luke 15. That's where I wanted to go. But while we're on our way there, I'm reminded of John chapter 8. <laughs> now, in John chapter 8, Jesus was trying to teach the Pharisees who God is and how He's a loving Father. And they said, Abraham was our father. He said, Well, if Abraham was really your father, he said, You wouldn't be trying to kill me. <laughs> And then he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. I think it's around 856 or somewhere around there. He saw it and was glad. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. How did you know Abraham? And he answered so cool. He answered answered like in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Moses, who should I say sent me? Just tell him I am sent you. 
What does that mean? I am whatever you need me to be when you ever need to be it. I didn't come to get you to serve me. I came to serve you. Come on, can you believe that? The creator of the universe washed dirty feet. How many of you would like to take your shoes off right now? And have... No, but you know what I'm saying. It's like when you're running around in the desert over there like they did, chances are... The feet, and again, the feet represent how your contact with the earth. So he said, I don't need to wash you all over. I just need to keep your walk clean. Amen? But anyway, in uh, Luke chapter 15, this would be about visit number five, I think, over the past couple of months. Because it, it's the prodigal son chapter, but it's also uh, a couple of other parables where he really came to demonstrate he didn't come to reveal the messed up sons. He came to reveal a loving father. It's all about the loving father. And it starts, it starts out in chapter, chapter 15 and verse 1. It says in verse 1, it says, And then drew near unto him all of the publicans and all of the sinners to hear him. Well, that's pretty cool. He went, to, he went out and the sinners liked him. And the religious people didn't. The sinners liked him because he wasn't judging them. He came to work with them. He came to love on them. And love was what, see, when you know the love of God, it's the love of God that changes you from glory to glory into the image of his son. It's not your works. You can work as hard as you want to, and then you become self-righteous. And then you start judging other people because... At least I'm not as, not as bad as so-and-so. And that's how it works. And instead of saying, hey, you know what? He loves me. He's not mad at me. He hated sin, and he put it on Jesus so I could be the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Adam recognized he was naked in Genesis chapter 3 and tried to cover himself. Jesus became naked on the cross and covered you, covered you with his righteousness. He, God, made him to be sin who knew no sin, that he could cover you so he could put his covering on you. He came to restore many sons back to glory. He came to put you back to his original intention for him. And the only way he can do that is with your cooperation. And the only way he can do that is when you stop judging yourself and stop judging others and enjoy the presence of God. Just enjoy his presence. It's not that difficult. Might have to turn off a TV or something once in a while, but I mean, you know. So he says, uh, there drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receives in it sinners to eat with him. Well, I have a pastor friend that his, uh, his uh, daughter was working in a bar on a main street in town, so he had to sneak in to see her because he didn't want to be judged. But I'm thinking, you know what? He should have just boldly, and again, it's easier for me to say, he should have just walked in the door. It's not about what you think about me. It's about what he knows about me. And the thing I love about God is he knows everything about me. I don't have a secret that I can hide from him. He knows me, and he loves me, and this is awesome stuff. But let me read you another translation of that. This may be a Gary Hooper translation as well, because I think I mixed two or three other ones together. Again, you know, like you like the Amplified Bible, and I think it's great, but I don't like the Bible doing all the work for me. I like to look these things up and pull them out for myself, and then they're, it's, it's like now it's not information, now I got a revelation, amen? And really when you think about it, man was meant to, man was meant to live by revelation, not by information. And you know, when it talks about Adam walking with God and they're talking together in the cool of the day, there probably wasn't any verbal communication at all. Because verbal communication is used to create. So they had this revelation knowledge going back and forth, and then when they fell, they fell from revelation to information, required an education, and Satan gave them one, right? 
It took them 900, it took them, I think, 930 years to kill Adam, but it got easier as he went along. Like if he can talk you into sickness, he'd kill you today. So I pray that he won't, but talk yourself into healing. Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> on another occasion, a large number of tax collectors and outcasts gathered around listening to Jesus and observing but, but observing this, the rule keepers and the interpreters of the law began griping. Why, this man courts friendship with outcasts and even goes out for meals with them. They couldn't believe this so-called righteous teacher could have fun and rub elbows with the greedy tax collectors and eat food prepared by prostitutes and laughing amongst thieves and crooks. How you like that one? That's a, that's a pretty good trick. Can I read that to you again? On another occasion, a large number of tax collectors and outcasts gathered around listening to Jesus. Observing this, the rule keepers and the interpreters of the law began griping. Why, this man courts friendship with outcasts and even goes out for meals with them. See, they wouldn't even hang out with anybody that wouldn't, you know, Hallelujah. Let's go to the bar after church. It would be okay. They couldn't believe that a so-called righteous teacher could have fun. He rubbed elbows with the greedy tax collectors and ate food prepared by prostitutes and laughed with thieves and crooks. That's Jesus, but that's demonstrating a loving father. Now, he wasn't going to leave them in that condition. But love would change them, not rules and regulations. That's all they needed was somebody to come in and say, you know, you ought not to be doing this and you ought not to be doing that. How many people would ever come to the Lord? If you did come to the Lord that way, you'd only be there for fear. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So you, you and I, we just need to get happy. Amen. Let's, again, I want to look at the prodigal son because the prodigal son represents Adam, I think, and the elder brother represents the Pharisees. Both, both things going on here. So the loving father, a loving father, not a religious rule keeper, a loving father, not a religious rule keeper. And a young, the, uh, a certain man had two sons. The young man said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that comes to me. And he divided them his living. Now we understand that that's a very selfish thing. And, you know, basically what he's saying is, I don't want to live under your authority anymore. I'm quitting the church because no pastor's going to tell me what to do. Listen, can I help you with that too? If you won't listen to an under-shepherd, the great shepherd will never have a chance with you. As long as, he's, as, long as you're in agreement with you, you'll be fine. But what happens? See, obedience is never tested until it's something you don't agree with. It's never tested until you say, oh, I don't agree with that. You know, I was talking to a pastor, that, a backslidden pastor a couple of weeks ago. I said, my friend... It's not your job to judge the senior pastor. If you think he's off track, pray for him. Stay with him. Don't tear him down with your mouth because you're judging. Judge not lest you be. He said, well, I studied under Kenneth Copeland. I said, well, is that right? I said, I'm the only guy in Eastern Canada that I know of that has papers with Eagle Mountain Church and Kenneth Copeland. So as his representative here in Canada I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Now go back and get right with your pastor. <laughs> no, but I'm telling him the truth. Yeah. I don't know if he did it yet or not. I haven't checked with him, but, but, but he will. He has to. If you don't humble yourself, you'll be humiliated somewhere along the line. Anyway, the younger son said, Father, give me a portion of goods that fails to me. He divided among them his living. Not many days later... It doesn't take a long time to go through a fortune when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're loose with it. He said a few days later, not many days later, the younger gathered all that he took to a far country 
And there he wasted all his substance on riotous living. Wasted it all. Blew it all out the window. <laughs> Give me what's mine. I want to live outside of your will. I'll control my own life. Self is king. Well, that didn't work for him, did it? When he spent it all the rose of mighty famine in the land, that's why there's no security. There's no security here right now. In Canada, I remember one time there was a couple from BC. It was, I think it was many years ago. There was a lot of trouble here in Canada, like there is now. And so they decided, let's find a safe place and move the family. They moved them to the Falkland Islands off the coast of Argentina. They were there about two months, and war broke out, and of all places, the Falkland Islands. <laughs> so the only secure place, listen, the only secure place is in church. No, in church, I'm telling you. Why? Because he loves his church, and he gave his life for it. And so if you talk trash about the church, you're talking trash about God. And he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do, but even more so as you see the end approaching. Yeah, that was not a suggestion. No, there was never any 10 suggestions. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> pick out the ones you like, you know. When he spent everything, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And the younger man said, he went and joined himself, first of all, to a citizen of the country. He was out feeding the pigs. Now, Jews weren't even allowed to eat pork. There he is out there feeding pigs in the swill. You talk about going from the top to the bottom. He left. He left dressed up in the finest clothes and came back wearing rags and smelling like a pig. He would have, he would have eaten the pig's will himself, but no one would give him any. But when he came to himself, you have to come to yourself, and that's a, a humble place. To come to yourself and to admit that I need God, and I don't need $3 worth of God. You know, just $3 worth of God is like having a glass of warm milk. It'll help you sleep at night. <laughs> no, you, you need to be all in, full immersion like water baptism. Touching God and touching base. Well, you can do it, but, but you'll never, ever get into the deep things of God. You'll never be rooted and grounded in love. And he wants you rooted and grounded in knowing how much he loves you. How can you know that if you don't even know who he is? How can you know that if you're waiting for somebody else to share the Bible with you? Now, I know faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God, and I know that faith comes by teaching and somebody preaching to you as well. But it also comes when you spend your time in the word of God yourself. Amen. He said, I know what I'm going to do. He came to himself. Thank you, God, for coming to myself. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. But a shift in your thinking is also a shift in your living. When, you make, when he made that shift, he took the first step toward home. And as soon as he took that step, I know by knowing God that God started looking Yeah, I'll rise and go to my father. He said, I can't stay here in Paris with hunger, but go and rise to my father. Mm. And he said, I'll go to him and I'll tell Can you imagine how many times he rehearsed this, walking however far he was? I know what I'm going to do when I get there. I'll tell him this. He'll say this, and then I'm going to tell him that. You've never had those arguments in your own head. But I rise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. So all the way up the road, he's saying, Father, I got it now. Father, I, I, I've sinned against you. Father, forgive me. But then he said, I'm no longer to wor be worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. I thank God that he did not respond to that, that the father did not respond to that, or he would have been locked in that. He rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. 
had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. See, that's a place of humility. Like the rule keepers, the Pharisees said, I, I, I deserve this. The elder son was saying, uh, that seat should be mine. Have you ever noticed people, like some, when someone else gets blessed, check your heart. Are you jumping up and celebrating with them? You're saying, hmm, wonder why that didn't happen to me. I know none of you have ever thought that. But I tell you right now, when you, I remember when, uh, I remember a couple of pastor, uh, pastor friends of ours had a house for sale down in Branson, Missouri. And when they sold it, he called me. And uh, I'm going to brag on myself for a minute. Is that okay? He said, I called you because I knew you wouldn't be jealous. He said, I, and he had a big mortgage. Like he had, I think he owed almost $300,000 on his big log home on the side of the mountain down there. And he called me and he said, I got a phone call from a businessman in New York City. And he called me up and said, what's the mortgage on your house? I'm going to pay it off. Just like that. He still does that if you believe him. He'll still do, still do that. And when you celebrate somebody else getting blessed like that, just say, next. Next in line. Hallelujah. The father said, but the father ignored him and said, go get the best robe. Go get the garments of salvation. Go get the robe of righteousness. Go get it out of my closet. Put, get that beggar stuff off of him. Get that stinky smelling pig stuff off of him and put the best on him. Come on, this is being born again. Come on. My son was dead and now he's alive. Bring here. Come on. He said, and go and get the, the ring. The family ring, if you ever read about it in the Old Testament, the ring was the signet ring was the seal that you bought and sold with. What he was saying is, son, you're in charge of everything I got here. Have the family ring. Seal it with the ring. Then he went and put shoes on his feet because uh, servants didn't wear shoes. Come on. Bring the fatted calf. We're cutting a new covenant here. For my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and found and they began to make merry. Now his eldest son was in the field and he came and said, Oh, praise God. I hear dancing and music. That, but that's another thing. When you get near the father's house, you ought to hear dancing and music. When you get near the father's house, in his presence of fullness of joy, and his right hand pleasure forevermore. If you're not hearing music, get a little closer. I said, if you're not hearing music, maybe you're just a little bit too far away. Don't be like Peter. He followed from afar off. Get in and get close. And so he called one of the servants and said, what is this? He said, your brother has come. Oh, praise God. Kill the fatted calf. Receive him, say some time. He was just like the Pharisees. He was angry and would not even go in. Therefore, his father had to come out. His father went out looking for him, just like the rest of the parables here in, in chapter 15. Lo, these many days. Lo, these many years I've ushered in your church. Nobody ever gave me anything. He would say, Ephesians 1, 3, I've already blessed you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. Learned how to access it. Like my daughter, Carolyn, when, when, when I needed some, she needed some money, and I said, well, I just don't have it in my pocket right now. She said, well, you got the card. Use the card. In her mind, is you put a card in, the money spits out. Amen? But, th but, that's, yeah, but that's a child's innocent expectation which you should never damage. I was standing waiting for an ice cream yesterday. Yes, I was waiting for an ice cream. Hallelujah. Orange pineapple, my favorite, and I've been waiting all year to get one. Anyway, while I was waiting, this woman came along with a little two-year-old daughter. And I could tell the daughter was like, yes, I'm getting me an ice cream. The mother said, just like you, 
always wanting something fattening and full of sugar. Speak, and she laughed when she said it, but I'm thinking, what a thing to speak over a two-year-old child. She'll hear that for the rest of her life. Oh, yeah, all I want is something fat and sugary. And then, say, then the woman will say, I knew you were going to end up like that. Yeah. As soon as your son, he didn't say as soon as my brother was come, who devoured his living with harlots, you've killed for him the fatted calf. And he said, son, you're ever with me. All I have is yours. It was necessary for me to make Mary. Your brother was dead, and now he's alive again. Hallelujah. So the pig pen in life left him humiliated and humbled and hungry. Humiliated and humbled ought to make you hungry. <laughs> right? At this point, he was a broken man. He wasn't an arrogant son anymore. Like David said, I would rather be, this is what he said, exactly what David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And David, we, we were reading through Chronicles the other day, he gave 200 tons out of his own money. People that don't like the prosperity messages don't listen to this, plug your ears. David, the shepherd that became a king, gave 200 tons of gold out of his own pocket to build the temple. That's 30 tandem trailer loads, if you want to figure it out and watch the trucks go by. That's what he had in his own. And he, and, and he didn't, and, and his, he had the doorkeeper attitude. I'm not going to hold on to this, get what I can, can when I get and sit on the can. Whatever I have, it's for advancing the kingdom. And so I, I saved it up so that I could sow it. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord and dwell in the tents of the wicked. That's Psalm 84.10. But it's like, like the younger son, David, was hungry. He was hungry for his father's presence. That's what the elder son didn't have. He got hungry for the presence of his father. He'd never appreciated his father before. He was like a lot of teenagers. They don't know anything. It's amazing, though, when a teenager gets to be 25 or 30, you realize your parents have all, all of a sudden gotten smart. Prodigal son spent everything he had in the pursuit of happiness. He spent everything that he had to try and get happy, and he failed. He ended up more miserable than he ever was before. But now I want to read it from another translation. While he was still a great distance away, his, this is, this is, no, but this is for you. This is for you today. You know, don't just get from, like, there's only so many stories in the Bible. You know, there's nothing new. The only way that you can make it new is when you take it and live in it for yourself. Now, you're not reading about David killing Goliath. You're pitching yourself doing it. You know, but you have to take ownership. That's what it's there for, to increase your faith so that you can fight the good fight of faith, so that you can lay hold of eternal life. These are not just pretty stories. But they could be if that's all you get is information from them. But if you get a revelation, David, the eighth son, maybe he was even illegitimate. He was looking in the woods, looking after a few sheep. And God told him to pick up five stones. Maybe it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Acts. I don't know. That's, in my mind, that's what it was. And, you know, everybody says, well, the fifth letter is, is the letter for grace. Well, yes and no. It's really the breath of God, which is Acts chapter 1. It's a type of the Holy Spirit. Grace is also mentioned in, in, in the eighth letter of the alphabet, which was more familiar with a lot of people than number five until lately. But, you know, I know that it represents grace, but more than that, it represents the presence of the Holy Ghost. And that's all you need. No, no even when he said, let there be light, it, he went up and went, in the boat, when they said, peace be still, he went, ah. the breath of God hit that storm, and the storm was over. But again, he didn't, he didn't, it's, it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't get delivered out of the fiery furnace. They got delivered in it. So I don't know what you're into right now. 
but there is a fourth man in your fire. And you can come out of whatever you're into right now without smelling like smoke. While he was yet a great distance away, his father saw him coming and had such a deep feeling of love and forgiveness for him that he ran out to meet his son, to hug him and to kiss him. He rushed out and swept his arms around him and hugged him dearly. That's it. And so it's kind of like when you read when you read the life of Solomon. Solomon overdosed on life just like a lot of people today. I'm amazed at how many storage units we have in the metro area and you can't find one to rent. This will make me happy. No, store it away. That'll make me happy. No, store it away. And they're still, just like the prodigal son, more miserable than when they started, still looking. Maybe if I travel to a far country. I mean, people are traveling around the last few years like ants crawling over stuff, looking for that thing to fulfill them. And I have found about traveling, you can take pictures of anything, but you can't hug the picture. The only thing that's real, the only thing that's real is your relationship with God. And if you're looking to find happiness out there, it's already in there. It's already in you. Just access his presence. I'm not talking about spending a Sunday morning or a Thursday in church. I'm talking about practicing his presence in a daily way. Expecting him to speak to you. Trust in him with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding or your own way of doing things. Acknowledge him in how many of your ways? All of your ways, and he will. He will direct your steps. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I, I like what Solomon said after he went through all vanity, vanity, all vanity. You want to read that, that Ecclesiastes is a depressing little book. <laughs> Until you get to the last chapter. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 12. Verse 13. <laughs> Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Are you ready for the conclusion? No, the answer to every question you have is right here, right now. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And that's not, that's not fear of God. Because you can't have a loving relationship with somebody you're afraid of. No, it's a reverential fear. It's a respect. It's an honor for who he is. Yeah, he's your, you know, Papa God. You can say that. You can say, I am a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. Not until you're doing what he says. You can sing that song until you're pink in the face or blue in the face or purple in the face. That doesn't make you his friend. What makes you his friend is if you love me, obey my commands. What are they, Lord? Well, he said, I broke it down for you. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you can't love me if you don't know me. So you're going to have to get to know me. When you get to know me, you said you'll like me. <laughs> and then love your neighbor and yourself. And yourself. Yep. So he let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of a man. The older brother, like the Pharisees, who was proud, of, proud and self-righteous, he deserved the seat of honor. He worked so hard. He was out in the field working and waiting in the line with the servants to get paid when he's supposed to be up at the house running things. How about Luke 18, verse 10? This is a good illustration, too, for Pharisees or religious rule keepers. We don't want to be religious rule keepers. You need to be free. You need to be free. You need to recognize, hey, you know what? He knows everything about me, and he loves me. And so if he can accept me, help me to accept me. Because if I don't accept me, I'm saying he didn't do a good job. Well, I just need to change this, and I change that. If you could change anything, like I always say, New Year's resolutions would work. Stop trying to change you and live an exchanged life. Thank you, Lord. You took my sin when I hadn't done one thing right. You made me the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. My worst day when I was three months behind on my rent and stoned on drugs. 
my worst day, he said, I loved you when you were yet a sinner, enough to die for you, and now much more. Now much more, son, much more, because you've been justified by my blood. Hallelujah. Justified, not by my good looks, although I'm pretty good. (laughs) Face all swelled up from steroids, but other than that, it's okay. Uh, This too shall pass. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Oh, and by the way, Ashen said she liked my mullet. I said, wait till you see my bun. <laughs> I said, girl, you're not seeing me into getting a haircut. I'm going to let it go right down to my feet. <laughs> Two men went up to the temple to pray in Luke 18, 10. They're still up there waiting for us to read about them. The one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector or a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed within himself. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> he, I thank you. Oh, I thank you that I'm so holy. I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. Twice a week. I give tithes of everything that I possess. No, but he'd be welcome in church. Just like Saul of Tarsus would have been welcome until he became Paul the Apostle. Then he wasn't so welcome anymore. The, but here's but the publican standing afar off would not even lift up his, uh, as much of his eyes toward heaven, but smote his breast saying, God, be merciful unto me. I'm a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified because he was humble. Look at this, for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. And now another, I think this is Gary Hooper translation. Somebody, well, again, I don't have any original thoughts. I get words from somewhere, so do you. But but this is not protected by a copyright, so I had to write to copy it. So a Pharisee, a pious rule keeper, Prayed, God, I thank you that I'm better than other people. (laughs) Especially that tax collector over there. The tax collector sank his chin into his chest and said, Lord, please be kind to me. I'm off track. Just be kind to me, God, I've gotten myself off track. Lord, just be kind to me, I've gotten myself off track. How simple a prayer is that? It's not, well, I'm better than Marie LeBlanc, trying to pump myself up to make, you know. No, no, it's God. It's got nothing to do with that Pharisee over there. It's got nothing to do with anybody but you and I. And I've gotten off track. And so he said, every person who pumps himself up with a false image of himself will be deflated. Every person that pumps himself up with a false image of himself will be deflated. There's a lot of deflating going to happen in churches over the next couple of years. You'll be be able to sit in the seat and listen to it. There goes the arrow to that one. Hallelujah. No, because then we can get in one accord. Then we can have a move of the Spirit of God. He's 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 ready. To rock this world. If you think that the politicians are doing anything, if they could, they would, maybe. The tax collector sank his chin in his chest and said, Lord, please be kind to me. I'm off track. Every person who pumps himself up with a false image will be deflated. And the person who honestly accepts who he really is, listen to this, the person that honestly accepts who he really is will be changed by the energy of God, not changed by, by flesh. Well, I've got, got to try harder. No, you don't have to try any harder. All you need to do is Hebrews 4.11, enter into his rest. If you want to labor on something, you want to work on something, enter into his rest. You know, Hebrews 4.16, we were watching somebody on, on, uh, the, on the, not the Miracle Channel. Huh? What's it called? No, no, what's the, the Daystar? 
And this person was saying, well, I'm only in the outer court. This is a famous preacher saying, I'm back in the outer court. I tried to get into the Holy of Holies, but there was something wrong with me. No, but this is somebody, if I told you the name, you'd say, what? They, they were honoring this person at a, at a big table talking to everybody. I said, isn't that something? Hebrews 4.16 tells me to come boldly onto the throne room of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace. When? When I get it all together and I look good? No, it help in a time of need. Hebrews chapter 6 says, we, we have a strong consolation, a hope, an anchor for the soul, because the high priest, the forerunner, went in within the veil. And within the veil is a place where all you and I are supposed to live. Because, because when you enter the holy place, it has, art of, it has candlelight. Right? But when you get in the holy of holies, the only illumination is God. <laughs> you don't have to bring your own flashlight. No, but he wants you, this is why he's saying, I, writ, I rent that temple veil from top to bottom, not so that I could get out primarily so that you could get into. I wanted to be able to embrace my son, my daughter, and sin was separating me from you. But now it doesn't separate me from you anymore. I hung around with alcoholics and prostitutes and people like that and didn't judge them. I demonstrated the love of God to them so that you could go there and do likewise. Know him. And make him known. That's what, that's what your job is. Yeah. The person who honestly accepts himself for who he really is will be changed by the energy of God. Mm. I like that. You like that? Now let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Talking about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and how they got kicked out of the garden. How they lost the glory. How they were found naked. Verse 7 says, and again, they, they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And um, Eve didn't have to go find Adam. Adam was right there beside her. And Adam was the one that was put in charge and did nothing about Satan talking to the woman. He just did nothing. Knucklehead. I'd call him a knucklehead if he's here today. You knucklehead, you know how much trouble you caused me. <laughs> I could have had two chapters in my Bible. Revelation 21 and 22, but no, you had to go. <laughs> the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Well, it's kind of like, you know, Hiding in the woods with camouflage, right? <laughs> they, they sewed these fig leaves together and made aprons upon themselves. But then, see, but Jesus, the reason why Jesus was stripped naked, because he came to undo everything that the curse brought. So he's hanging there naked so that he could restore his sons. Hebrews 2.10 says, The captain of our salvation, made perfect through suffering, came to restore many sons, Back to glory, back to the original intent. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but he didn't leave you there. He came to take you back to glory. He came to take you back to glory. Oh, how, do I, how did I do that, God? Well, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's already on the inside. Let him out. What am I supposed to do? Let him out. You know, it's kind of like when he came to earth, he set up a beach a beachhead in your life, you know, and so we could call that the start of World War II, and, but then Normandy's coming. There's a day coming when he takes everything over the kingdoms of this world, will he truly become the kings of our God? Satan is here right now, but he's a fallen agent, a fallen angel. He knows his time is short, and he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, but my Bible says, but resist him steadfast in the faith. Knowing that these same afflictions are being worked out in people throughout all the world. <laughs> but the God of all grace, who's called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after we have suffered a while, he'll make us perfect, strengthen, establish, settle us. You've got to like that. So, so the Lord called on to Adam and said, 
where are you? Or one translation says, why are you where you are? He knew where he was the whole time. God didn't, you know, it's a rhetorical question. He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. See, but the best way to cover over fear and shame, the only way to cover over fear and shame and guilt is with the glory of God. Ask him, ask him to clothe you with his glory. Say, Lord, that glory is available to me. Show me how to be changed from glory to glory into the image of your son. Thank you for making those changes right now in my life. Hallelujah. See, after David suffered a, a major setback in his life, he wrote Psalm 3, and he said, uh-huh. he said, I'm not afraid of ten thousands of people. This is when Abraham, 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 uh, Absalom was chasing him down. Chasing him down. He ran over past the Mount of Olives, and he, he had a whole army chasing him. He said, I'm not afraid of ten thousands of people that have compassed around about me. He said, I laid down and I slept for the Lord sustained me. Can you imagine having a military might? Just imagine the liberal government in Canada. Maybe encompassed about, about you. It ought not to be keeping you awake at night. Gasoline prices ought not to be keeping you awake at night. Thank you, Lord, that you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus is my confession. Hallelujah. You've already provided me for me, and I just need to access it for myself. Anyway, after that major setback, David said in Psalm uh, 3 and verse 3, he said, you're my glory. He said, I, I found myself naked, but you're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. But you, our Lord, are a shield around me. You're my glory upon me and the lifter of my head. So Jesus was stripped naked to give me that glory. I'm taking it. Take it right now. Take it. Okay, one more verse. You got time for one more verse? Oh, yeah, you got lots of time. I'm not crying. It's just, it's hot up here. I'm not complaining. I've been cold before. <laughs> I prefer hot. <laughs> In the Philippines, when we were in the Philippines seven or eight times, man, we didn't have a shower where we went. Well, we did for a couple of times, but mostly we had this big 205 liter bucket full of warm water and a ladle. And so if you wanted to turn up the pressure, you had to throw it at yourself from further away. <laughs> oh, yeah, good one. And then, and then you'd go to dry yourself off with a towel. And by the time you got dry, you were soaking wet again. It was impossible, wasn't it, Pastor Paul? The only reprieve over there was ice cream. I know. And then you, that you couldn't eat everywhere. It might crawl away on you. <laughs> What's that moving? That was your ice cream, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I think a cockroach got it. And there's, they're so big. They're that big, and they, they can go four-wheel drive, or they can fly. And they're everywhere. Everywhere. And if you kill one, next thing you know, you got a thousand ants came, to, came for lunch. I don't even know how they find them that fast. There's a whole trail of ants coming. No, Candace, okay. <laughs> No, raining over there. If it rains over there for five minutes, it's up past your ankles. If it rains any longer than that, we had a church service at 7 o'clock one morning out in, a, out in a barrio, out in a village, and the people were all there at 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, think about what they pay for to go to church. They were all wet from here down. They had to cross a, a brook that turned into a river before church started. But they came. They all came. It's kind of like when you go into Ukraine. That church was packed out every day. Every single day you couldn't get another seat. There's something about being hungry. He's obligated himself to the hungry. You can stir up a hunger. If I keep talking about orange pineapple ice cream today, I promise you that when the service is over, you'll be going looking for one. No, Ashton won't. She doesn't like orange pineapple. There's nothing. You don't like ice cream? Oh, wow. Uh, how about a Vandal's Donut? Would that work for you? You ever have Vandal's Donuts? 
They're not a sin, but they should be. <laughs> okay, First John 3 and verse 1. This is, this is our second close, I think. We'll say, like we said before, we're circling the airport right now. First John 3, 1. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished upon us. He has called us and made his, his very own beloved children. The reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is they didn't recognize him. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, it's not yet apparent what we shall become, but we do know that when he's finally made visible, we'll be like him and we'll see him as he truly is. My little children, it says in verse 18, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and truth. What he's saying is, let us love. Let's not talk about love. Let's not sing about love. Let's put love into action. Right. I'll say that again. Let's not talk about love. Let's not sing about love. Let us put love in action and make it real. Make it real. When the extraordinary compassion of our God and Savior and his overpowering love suddenly appeared in person, at the, at like the brightness of the dawning of the day, he came to save us, not because of any virtuous deed that we had done, but only because of his extravagant, extravagant, Mercy, extravagant. What does that mean? It means like if you were to put stars up in the sky, you might put a million. There's a hundred trillion in the Milky Way galaxy. He's extravagant. He fed 5,000 people with fish and chips, and there was still 12 baskets left over. Fish and chips. I said fish and chips. <laughs> Create an appetite, Pastor. <laughs> okay, we're done. Praise God. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.